What's up, filmmakers and moviegoers? This is Zach. And this is Eric. And we are still in quarantine here. Well, oh, jeez. I'm going to have to cut that out. Uh, Eric has the roadcaster, so he's got sound effects. I'm not happy about it, as you can tell by the tone of my voice. Um, and uh, he's just making my job harder at the. Sorry. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Oh geez! Well, so much now that fun. now that everyone knows what's happening, it's so much fun to push buttons and make sounds, though. Yeah, we just need to get some good sounds. To okay, push that's for. fair. That's fair. Yeah, you're not wrong. So, um, but you know, let's stop talking about sound effects and uh, let's talk about movies because that's what that's what this is, right? Right. Um, like quarantine have, is like the movie watcher's wet dream in as long as it's on a stream somewhere. Or maybe I should it, say wet stream. Get okay. It? Uh, All uh, right. Never mind. Yeah. But yeah, um, as long as they're releasing material that you haven't seen or if you're feeling nostalgic and want to go back and watch some classics, you can do that. I mean, there's I don't think there's anything that's ever been released that isn't available on some streaming platform somewhere. Well, that's, that's a, that's a bold statement that I know is false, but I don't want to get into the details of it. Sure. There's a few things, there's a few things out of print and not in, in uh, streaming, but they're like, I mean, B movies and, and stuff like that. But sure, some of them are sure. cult classics that people love, but yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking of where to watch movies, Let's talk about the, uh, the the hot goss going on right now in the uh, movie viewing area. And I'm talking about AMC uh, and now Regal Cinema uh, banning Universal movies from their theaters as long as Universal wants to stream at the same time. Wait, what? You haven't heard this yet? I dude, I'm this is the first I'm hearing about it. Okay. Okay, hang so, on. Hang on. Hang, yeah, hang on. Yeah, go for Didn't, it. Isn't AMC filed for bankruptcy anyway? So why do we care? Okay, <laughs> yeah, Regal okay. perhaps. Yeah. Are they thinking, "Oh, because lockdown's done, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks that it's going to be fine?" Maybe dude. maybe, I don't know. And so Uni- but, but Universal is planning a simultaneous release for yeah. for online as opposed to f- movie theaters. Right. So they released uh Trolls uh World Tour which I adamantly did not want to see anything about. Sure. Um but they said that they made more money from the home release of Trolls in 3 weeks than the digital release of Trolls in 5 months, the first Trolls that came out. Wow, really? Yeah. In three weeks, they, they I think it was either doubled or tripled the amount of sales. Now, here's the thing that is like kind of, it, it, here's the asterisk. This is a time where you don't have a whole lot of other options and everyone's at home anyways. Exactly. You, All the theaters are closed. Yeah. You can't do it. So you can't really first- use this as a statistic. Yeah, it's not. You know, it, yeah, the asterisk is a perfect uh, uh, right. term for this because y- it was the first theatrical release that wasn't yeah. theatrical. So for them to be like, "Oh, this is a successful business model now after one movie," I whatever. I especially I think when this back. is done. Yeah, yeah. 
Because, I mean, if people have the option of going out or seeing other movies, um, you know, if this came out the same week that, like, Tenet came out and the movie theaters were open, this thing would have bombed. Like, it's just, it, it wouldn't be the same numbers that we're talking about right now. And so for them to, yeah, for them to be like, yeah, this is uh, this is our model going forward. We're gonna we're gonna release movies uh, digitally for a fee, and then also in theaters at the same time. Uh, and then AMC, being the old uh, get off my lawn that they are, uh, <laughs> basically said, "Well, then you're no longer able to show your movies in AMC theaters." Which is, um, for one thing, it's that's a huge blow to like Universal's income i would say because amc is the biggest chain in the world um so you know the fast and the furious and the jurassic worlds they're not going to make their billion dollars without amc i mean they could go into every other theater but it's not going to be nearly the same numbers that they were they were getting before if they don't have that amc pull and i think amc realizes that and so they're trying to use some of their power to you know strong arm this whole situation but then Regal Cinemas comes in, and they're predominantly East Coast, I believe. And there's, I guess, there's a few in California, but um, yeah, there's a smattering were, in the West. Yeah. But yeah, they were mostly in Florida when I was there. But they come in and they say the same thing: no Universal theatrical releases if Universal continues to do digital at the same time. So, I guess we'll see what happens here. To me, this is the stupidest thing that a movie theater could do, why wouldn't you just further push your experience to be a better experience in the theater and get people to come? I mean, Disney has to revamp and add things every year or so. You know, I mean, maybe every year is a little too much, but every once in a while they got to add something new. They got to add a new ride or whatever to get people to come in. So adapt. You know, I mean, adapt or die. And frankly, it sounds like AMC's probably going to die. If this is the hill they want to they want to go out on, great, good for you. But you're well, not going to you, have your billion you, billion dollar franchises. Yeah. What do you think about the opportunity that? Okay, so you know, a week ago we're talking about AMC filing bankruptcy. Now we're sitting here talking about they're banning a studio film. And in some regards, I can't. I can imagine the studio going well. Who cares? You're not coming. You're you're filing bankruptcy yeah, right. anyway. But what 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 about? I mean, you're talking Time Warner Universal is a massive media conglomerate, and uh, if they, it's, I don't think Time. I don't think it's Time Warner anymore. Oh, it's not. They've spun it's, it off. It's, well, it's Comcast Universal. I think Time Warner maybe its own thing now. Again. Oh, okay. But it's still a big. It's AOL it's a big or not AOL? Uh, yeah, AT and T, AT and T, and Time Warner. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. but anyway, if they decided they wanted to make AMC a buyout offer and then own the right, <laughs> right, you know and what I mean? It's the, like all they're ever going to show is Universal movies and well, Comcast no, they would. I content. don't think so. I don't think so. I think that predominantly that would be the case, but I think they would still license the showing of other films because the money that they would make. It would be well, there shooting was a, themselves in the there foot. There was a time in, there was a time in the, th- I think it was the 30s, the 40s. I, I cannot remember, but Warner Brothers owned their own theaters, and that's all they showed was their own movies. Mm-hmm. Granted, that was a very different time. There wasn't nearly as much competition, kind of as there is now. 
um, or at least as big of competition. But yeah, I would be afraid of that happening again. But I think I think there would probably end up being some legal things with that, where like the government steps in and says that you can have these theaters, but you can't legally you know, not allow Disney to show a movie in your theater. I think that's sure. probably where the big step in will come from. Sure. And I don't, I wouldn't see, I mean, even if Disney did that buy, right, they bought the theaters, yeah. they would still want to show other studios movies in their theaters because it's a draw. Yeah. And, and you're going to get money from the studio. Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't, I don't think that there would be that big of an issue with that, but interesting idea. But wow, like I I just find it ironic that, you know, they one week they're like, oh, we're going to fold. And then two weeks later, we're banning movies from a studio and it's like, "Eh, it doesn't carry that much weight anymore. No, especially because it's like you have there's there's three options that come out of this. One is you succeed in your ban and then Universal changes their mind. The other two, though, are not good for you unless it's what they want is a buyout. Because right. maybe they do want to buy out. Yeah, maybe um, that's a maybe that's a play yeah, for that. Yeah. Yeah. So the buyout is an option, but then the other thing is just well, okay, you don't get Universal movies, you end up closing your doors because right now there's only three companies making billion dollar movies: Disney, Universal, and I. I think Sony is the third one now. I mean, yeah. Warner Brothers isn't really pulling them in anymore, but it's like, what were you thinking if this was if this was I don't know some small uh you know distribution company sure i get that yeah but this is one of the big four yeah and what do you what are you doing like you're either shooting yourself in the foot or you're you're selling yourself and you're playing the long game here and hoping for the best um yeah but then, but then for Regal to jump on too, it's like, uh oh, uh, did uh, if your game is to get bought out, did you expect the other team to join at the same time? I, I don't know. It, it's just it's <laughs> right. it's really interesting. Uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens though. I, I I personally hope that AMC you know dies in the fire, but um, just bad movie theater experience is most part. You can listen to us talk about it two episodes ago on the uh, AMC theater bankruptcy episode. Yeah, and it's interesting because pe- the the theater experience itself might it might never be the same like we talked about, like in other other than right, other than these big tentpole movies, and even with that, there's not enough of those throughout the year to sustain a, a, a theater for an entire year. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, unless you have somebody like the Russos re-releasing Endgame for a live. Um, showing, which might sure, be and then you have like a a picture in picture in the bottom of the screen, maybe that's them talking while you're. I mean, well, there's things, there's interactive panel, things, you know. Yeah, they're, sure, they're sure. But there's you know, other than stuff like that. But that you can't do that at every theater all across the country. I mean, no. I, I I think that it's interesting because you, people's psychology has been changed through this whole thing, at least in the, in the North America, you know, I think in some sure. of the other countries, you know, we see uh, a lot of the Asian countries are, are, have already been wearing safety masks as a regular thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of other people with different paradigms think it's silly and now it's not so silly anymore. And, and that attitude and perhaps the fearfulness of, 
catching COVID or whatever the the flavor virus of the month is, people don't go. You know, they're like, I'll spend the extra money to sit and watch it at home because I know sure. that my home is clean, it's disinfected, it's I'm not I'm not at risk for some other thing. And and then they close their doors be, and they're not showing any movies. So Universal's like, ah, pff, who cares? <laughs> um, well, all right. So that being said, let's, uh, what, what have you been watching? What have you been doing? Yeah. So of course my phone is now my webcam, so I can't see anything, but I did. Um, oh yeah. Luckily iCloud is a fantastic thing. And I pulled up notes on my Mac pro. So what have I been watching? Well, um, we went down a little bit of uh, memory lane. My wife had never seen any of the bad boys movies, right? Yeah. You said you did a, you did a, yeah, uh, we did all three marathon of all three. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, all I think in we, the same night, I think so. I think it was the same day. <laughs> nice. Back to back. to Yeah. Back. It, Sweet. So the first two are on, I think it's Netflix. The first two were on Netflix. Then the other one was just, we digital, um, uh, got it on iTunes or whatever. And, um, man, they're pretty good still. Like they're still a lot of fun. Um, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence together. Like that movie works. I think so much because of the chemistry of them two. Yeah. And it, it doesn't, it has Michael Bay esque like moments and and uh, the tropes that, that Michael Bay does, but it's definitely a very timid Michael Bay compared to like the stuff he's doing now, which is just like Michael Bay without a leash. Um, there was definitely <laughs> right, yeah. like a producer or somebody, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, there was definitely a producer or somebody on the Bad Boys movies that was like, no, you can't do that or no this has to be mm-hmm. this there was somebody pulling in the reins and i think it's a cool. much they're much better movies because of it and uh, martin lawrence and will smith are just so good and funny and um i had i had a ton of fun watching them again and my wife liked them too and the third one is is pretty good even though it, it's not michael bay it's it's an it's two directors um I, I can't remember i think they might be like stunt directors or something um, which that seems to be going around. We'll talk about extraction in a little bit, but um, oh, yeah, yeah, I I thought it was it was pretty fun, it, and and that's kind of the thing that I wasn't I was kind of dreading watching it all three of them again because I was like, did I couldn't remember? Do these feel like Michael Bay movies or do they feel like fun movies? You know, because there's a big difference between like the explosion and just the noise and you just can't tell what is happening in the Michael Bay movies then to these movies, they like slow down and they let them have these character moments that, I mean, it's not like they're really developing the character, but at least they're sure they're, they're letting them breathe and talk to each other and, and riff off of each other and be funny. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so the directors are, uh, I'm going to say these wrong. Sorry. Uh, Adil L RB and uh, Bill all, but they're listed as Adil and um, Bilal. Uh, I guess I'm going to assume probably of Middle Eastern or Indian backgrounds. IMDb is giving me nothing. Thank you for that. Um, 
but I thought they did a really good job. There's, uh, have you seen, you saw this, right? The I have not seen the newest one. Okay. It's been on my list and I get distracted and I go, I'm Mike all over the place. So it's pretty good. It's 90, 90% good. I think the second one's still my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. especially that, that bridge chase in the Ferrari with the cars coming off the car loader. Oh my gosh. Just it's, it's so tense and shot amazingly. And, and I love, it. it's a lot of fun. And just the, the back and forth banter. And then like Martin Lawrence shooting up the Ferrari, you know, dashboard with the machine gun and everything. And it's, <laughs> it's really good. And, and I think this one works really well too, because like the, it just, it does feel like it's just 20 years later. Like these guys have been living like this and doing, it feels very lived in and, and of the world that they've created in the first two movies. And, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was really good. So I definitely recommend checking out Bad Boys for Life. I hate. Nice. I hate that it's the third movie and they called it for life, but whatever. That's missed <laughs> opportunity for the fourth one, but you know. Yeah, well, I don't see a fourth one happening, but you know, stranger I don't things think have so. happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. The other thing. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go for it. Well, we... Community is on Netflix now, so we've been watching that. Yes. And yep. uh, that's so smart, especially after, I think it's like the second season, it, it like really kicks in and finds its voice, you know, and I'm a pretty big fan of Dan Harmon's writing and creativity, Rick and Morty and stuff too. And um, mm-hmm. uh, I just, I think it, it's really clever and it's funny and it's, it kind of just takes you away from whatever you were thinking about. And, and that's kind of... Uh, it's goldenness, you know, like what it really appeals to me is like, you kind of forget what you're doing and it, um, I don't know. It's, it's pretty wholesome in like kind of a rude way, you know, in a lot of ways, but (laughs) it's still, it's, it's pretty fun. Um, another comedy thing though, uh, it's on Netflix and it's, um, middle ditch and shorts. So this is like a stand up routine that was recorded over three nights at uh, a New York, um, theater or opera i don't know what you want to call it, but like the venue um mm-hmm. and basically it involves the first 10 minutes of it are uh jason middleditch i'm not sorry jason schwartz and thomas middleditch um talking to somebody in the crowd to get like just an event something that has happened in their life and then they just they grill them for like 10 minutes to get every possible <laughs> detail that they can and then they uh-huh. go, okay. And then they improv for the next 45 minutes. Wow. Yeah. On that like one event. On that one thing. And it's so funny. I'm dying laughing. Like the first one, there's three episodes. So they did three nights and each, each night is its own thing. And um, the first episode, like my wife had already gone to bed. It's late. And I'm watching the first one and I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm laughing. Like I am full on belly laughing. <laughs> She's not sleeping for sure. So then the next night I'm like, you got to watch this. So we watched the second one and just both of us just like, Oh, I I like just headaches from laughing so much. It's hilarious. So we're going to watch the third one. That's great. Watch the third one tonight, but I I really recommend it. It's so funny. And just like, it's amazing how quick they are. And then also how 
not quick they can be sometimes too and but then that plays into the humor you know like them forgetting what one of right. the characters names was and then having to bring it back like 35 minutes later and it's 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 killer it's really really funny so middle ditch and no, shorts on netflix yeah check it out all right have to check that out so yeah man that's what i've been watching what about you you've been uh you've been watching anything good uh, okay do you you do know what week this is right um, so I only know this because I just went through the feed this morning of everything from last night. Uh, it's mm-hmm. the year anniversary of in game, right? That is correct. So, um, so April 26, I believe was the actual theatrical release was when I first started the, um, I think it was the night of the 25th is when I started the 22 in theater viewing run. Yeah. And, um, and so of course on the 26th, I watched the whole thing. And then I went to Twitter after that and saw that, uh, Joe Russo had posted, Hey, we're having a watch party tomorrow. And we're going to live, we're going to do an IG live for the first hour. And then we're going to be live tweeting, the rest of it, you know, the following couple hours. And so, uh, it was, it was fun. It was, it was cool. I, so I've watched Endgame twice <laughs> in the last, last 48 you know, hours. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, and, and it was cool. You know, I've seen plenty of the material of the Russos having different, uh, you know, breakdowns and talking about what, you know, what they were thinking on set and sure. And, you know, different, different things that they were working on and what improv was worked and what improv didn't. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was exciting because I got to hear them talk, uh, real time and it wasn't all the same stuff. It was some new stuff. Right. Right. And RDJ showed up. That was super cool. And, um, and the, the and the internet initially crashed a few times. They had over twenty thousand people watching their live at one point, and uh, but how it, many? It, it got stable over twenty thousand. Jeez. Yeah. Um, but it was yeah, it was great, and it was great to revisit. And it was cool to um, see some of the stuff in the morning because I, I didn't I didn't bother to to stay up and watch it, but mm-hmm. I saw a lot of. Um, retweets and things and some of the stuff that like was going to happen. Like I didn't know anything about the, the, the doctor strange, uh, in Iron Man scene that got cut that there's like concept mm-hmm. art for that looks amazing. Um, yep. if you don't know, go, go to, uh, I think it's Joe Russo's, uh, Twitter, but he, they talk about, um, there was a scene on the ship, um, mall, mall, mall. What's that guy's name? The needle, the guy that has the knee, looks like Squidward. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. Uh, yeah, Squidward. <laughs> yeah, and uh, on the, they're on his ship, and I guess the there was a scene in the original script where uh, Tony Stark gives Doctor Strange his armor to protect him from the needles, and then, oh, right. and then the, uh, right. the cloak goes to Stark, so you have like this uh, Tony Strange and Iron, or Tony, I don't know, what, Doctor Doctor. Stark and, and Stark. yeah, <laughs> and Stark. and Doctor uh, Doctor Iron Man basically. Um, yeah. 
so uh, but the concept art looks so cool like uh, man it was it that'll be a really cool i don't know if they do like a what if or something on that animated disney plus thing that they're gonna do that would that would be a pretty sweet thing to do mm-hmm. when it's funny too because when i first saw that there's a photo and um when i first saw that i was like oh somebody photoshopped that that's totally yeah Photoshop. right <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't it was like no that was the idea. That's so crazy. But, what else yeah, did you learn yeah, it from cool. it? Though? It was um well, so the scene where uh Stark is breaking it down after he comes back, you know, after uh Captain Marvel saves him and the ship comes back and they're back at Avengers headquarters and the scene where He's in that he's in the wheelchair, but he stands up, he pull he rips out the IV and he's having this, you know, kind of heated moment with um uh Steve Rogers and totally breaking it down and and then collapses. Um uh the Russos were saying that that whole scene was was improv. Oh wow from from Robert Downey Jr. and like there was a number of scenes that they did um, that he improv, but that was the one where it was, you know, and they kind of talked about when they're doing improv, they kind of give them free reign to, Hey, this is what the scene is supposed to, the exchange is supposed to feel like go. And then, right. And then he, you know, does a bunch of different variations of it, but you know, they said in the numerous times that they've, they, they've done that, there's always been, like, one magical one that, was, that stood out above all the rest, and which, which makes it easy to pick when you know it's that one. But, you know, can you imagine going through hundreds of takes of oh, geez. very... This, it's the same scene, but the dialogue is completely different every time you're like, oh, that was really good. Oh, but that was really good. Oh, <laughs> yeah. How just, do you, how do you find the best one? You know, it's right. That's a chore for sure. But They said it, they, they said it totally, you know, it stood out and that was the one that they ended up going with, which was really cool. And so, yeah, I did watch infinity war. So I got my full, you know, my full infinity war end game fix. You watched and it backwards. No, I watched infinity war first. And then, and oh, then, oh, okay. And then, uh, end game and then end game live with the Russos, which was fun. That's five, eight hours. Yeah. Six. So six hours for end game twice. And then another Goodness. two, two and some change. So, yeah. And then, and then if that wasn't enough by osmosis, I watched like half of the Willoughby's. I watched murder mystery, um, which was with uh, Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. Um, if if you're completely oh, yeah. and utterly bored, go ahead and have a like watch. If you're on your deathbed but and you've watched every other movie in the exa- world, watch that I'm one. Like, yeah. I'm like, and and for me, I'm a fan of Adam Sandler. There there was some funny moments in it. I'm not a fan of Jennifer Aniston, but that's a whole other issue. Um, but it, I mean, it was okay. It was uh, you know, it was like a one and a half or two out of five. <laughs> um, and then I watched another dreary um, film that I don't recommend, which is Code 8. And Code 8. Oh, this is that Amel brother. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was, okay. 
the idea was good. Like, yeah, the the one cheater is probably amazing. I, I heard it was kind of like X Men, right? The, yes. the idea that that they're they're being targeted yeah. and made. Yeah, right. Yeah. So people people have, and they don't really get into how they got the powers, but you know, if it was just inherited or whatever, people are enhanced, and then there's yeah. Um, you know, and it's, so it's futuristic and, um, uh, but it's like, um, man, I don't even it's know. Pretty it's pretty thin. Like. It's pretty thin to be honest. Yeah. I was like, it would be a really I, great short, but not so much a feature, which I think it actually was a short. Yeah. I mean, it, it probably would have done better as a short. I would imagine. I mean, it's doing great now because of quarantine and it's top 10 sure. in, in on Instagram or in, um, on Netflix. But, um, I, you know, it was like, mm, okay. I would have rather rewatched Endgame again. <laughs> <laughs> For a third time? Ouch. <laughs> third time. That's... I mean, it, it wasn't, the, you know, I, I struggled with it because, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was shot bad. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, the production was, was, you know, yeah, it's good. Pretty, it's pretty low budget, right? It, yeah. For the budget, for the cost and what they pulled off, it was like, all right, that's pretty good. Um, but it wasn't, it didn't, and it just didn't have the, the chemistry wasn't there. The, the wow factor, you know, the, the twistiness in the storyline. Um, it was just, uh, you know. The gingerbread cookie, you know, it was cookie cutter. Yeah, yeah, so, super cookie cutter. That's kind of what with, I figured. With some with some futuristic, you know, spices sprinkled on it, you know, I mean, it's so. Yeah, um, right. Money Heist. I finished Money oh, Heist. Oh, did you finish it? Okay, which is I'm, La I'm starting Papel it tomorrow, de Casa, La Papel de Casa, um, which is House of Paper, which I wish they would have kept that name translated english but they didn't they changed it to money heist um and man i just it is so well done you the the character development yeah, it just it looks really great the the way that it shot the color grading the feel the the pacing the um just the twist and turns that it takes i mean it, they they take you down the road and show you one aspect of it and then they and then they go back and then they show you the the other perspective and you're just there's all these aha moments and i mean it's just you 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 develop you develop that emotional bond with the characters right right and, and uh yeah it's it's just really well done um probably the best thing on Netflix right now um, well, it was like yeah. so Chernobyl in what was that last year or 2018 HBO last year it was last year yeah so Chernobyl was the best thing you know on HBO streaming at that point and that's kind of a big statement because you know there was a lot of other really exciting stuff but yeah you know I think you know I'm going to remember Chernobyl years and years and years from now I'm going to remember Money Heist years and years and years from now because those are that good, you know? Yeah. And I think, yeah. I think for me going forward, measuring what I feel like is good and isn't good, you know, in a lot of different categories, 
as far as filmmaking is concerned. Um, that's kind of what my new perspective is going to be is, is that, is this memorable? Am I going to remember this 10 years from now? Yeah. And is there something that I can take away from this, you know, personally and, and use this as like a master class in, in some aspect, you know, like Joker with color grading, master class in color grading. So, um, so yeah, I finally, finally got to the end of that. And now I'm bummed because now I got to wait, got to wait for the next part. Yeah, yeah. I think, and it's going to be, everything's going to be extra long ways now with mm-hmm. delays in production on everything. Um, is that, that one's a Spanish, right? It's not Italian. It is. It's Spanish, okay. uh, Spain, Spanish. And, yeah. um, which, you know, is different and they do it is it is overdubbed in english so it's like watching kung fu theater but you know it all here's the interesting part the overdub and the captions if you turn if you turn captions on is is different the the language sure is a little bit different like the words the language is different there's some of the the adjectives or descriptive words or whatever that they actually say Versus what's in the caption is, and so yeah. that's that's kind of fun, it, you know, little elements like that to distract me from what's going on. But even that, even with, you know, kung fu theater style and that, it's still, it's just engaging it, and yeah, it, it's amazing and it good really storytelling. Is. Sure, I mean, yeah, there it reminds is, me. Go ahead. It, it, it there is some gratuitous nudity in it, you know, um, to be expected from you know some European show um it's not overdone but you know there's i fast forward through it and it doesn't it doesn't take away from the storytelling so you know right okay serves the story at least it it does serve the story you know my my personal preference is man do do you can not have to show everything you can you can suggest that without you know but it is what it is right right yeah i mean it just makes me think of better call saul and chernobyl mm-hmm. i mean these these shows that are having right now that are just like real good and um you you, you brought up a good point like it's the best thing on netflix and and you're only going to you know do you have a, a grading system now? It's like, is this memorable? Am I going to think about this later on? And uh, I think that's my segue into uh, the completely forgettable in <laughs> a week uh, extraction. Something I won't, yeah, something I yeah. won't be remembering for sure. <laughs> um, wow, this movie was kind of boring. Uh, it felt... It felt... It was so thin. Okay, what movie are we talking about? Well, Extraction. So yeah. uh, Chris Hemsworth's new Netflix movie that just came out mm-hmm. last last Friday. Um, if you're listening to this, this is the this is April uh, 29th. So which um, so this is technically like the second um, premiere movie that's released on streaming as opposed to a theater. Because I think this probably would have had a theatrical release if we were still in that context. Uh, do you you really think so? I don't think this would have. I think so because there's you know there's nothing else. 
what else would there be? Um, I mean, I know, you know, it's not time for the original Black uh, Widow release date yet. So I think this is one of those that sits in squarely in the middle of these other ones that does pretty good because there's nothing else going on. Yeah, I just, it doesn't feel, it feels like a Netflix paid for movie. Like, hmm. this was only ever going to be on, I mean, if you look at The Irishman, I mean, that, that movie, it had, it had a very, very, very small, it had enough theatrical release to be considered for the Oscars. Right. This, I don't think this movie is the same thing. I don't, I don't think Netflix would have put this in a theater. Hmm. Yeah, uh, it's not to me. It's not big enough. It's not. Yeah. Um, I don't think. I, I as as much as I love Chris Hemsworth as Thor, and as like a human being, I think he's a fantastic person. Yeah. Um, yeah. his he does not he does not have the theater power as say like you know uh, Tom Cruise or. Uh, I mean, mm. think of all these other guys that are making like their singular Russell movies Crow. are making. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know about that anymore, but <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just the big, the big hitters that are always going to have their movie is never going to be straight to Netflix. Sure. Um, I don't think, I don't think this movie would have been in Netflix or been in the theater. And I, if it was in the theater, I wouldn't have saw it. I would have waited it waited for it to be on Netflix. Um, yeah. Yep. And then I would have done exactly what I'm about to do right now, which is completely forget about it. And, uh, <laughs> all right. So let's talk about that. Let's talk yeah. about why, why, why is it, why is it so forgettable in your mind? To me, it was, it was, it was a story that like, I feel like I've seen a thousand times of these, mm. like, I don't, I don't care how, how well your stunts are done or how uh gritty your your single take oneer is if the story is something that i've seen a hundred times i'm going to be judging every single other aspect of that movie because if 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 the rest of the movie doesn't make me forget that i've seen that story before mm. what well, what what are you doing mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean, there's some pretty decent action stuff in it. Uh, for the most part, it, it just kind of felt like it was it was trying to be uh, real gritty and hard in its in its and like brutal in its uh, fighting, just for the sake of doing that. Um, yeah. Whereas I don't know, like I guess the thing that everyone's going to compare this to is going to be like the John Wick movies because yeah i was the, thinking john wick and, and born born identity born yeah yeah the yeah. born identity which the born identity is a little it's a little i aside from the shaky cam and the born movies like the born identity is a lot more timid than this movie is um mm-hmm. there's a lot of probably realistically brutal fighting in this um from like a six four uh, Greek god that that Chris Hemsworth is going to town on these like little Indian and Bangladeshian <laughs> like right. terrorists, you know, and um, it, yeah, I but mean, man, do you really think that that many people can't shoot very well? Because it was like every one of them except the one sniper guy couldn't shoot anybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was like he was he was he was fighting against stormtroopers. 
Right. And that was the other thing that took me out of it almost immediately was like, I understand there's a, there's a hero mentality to your story, but it was like, he would get shot at by a hundred guys and they would all miss. And then as soon as he turned around once without even like really having time to aim or check his iron sights, he would pop off like six rounds and kill each guy. I mean, I, I get well, it. Like, yeah, he would kill like 12 of them with six bullets. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just, there wasn't, to me, there wasn't enough, of, there wasn't enough uh, heart to this movie right. or an, or enough of a story to keep me engaged exactly. more than just like, oh, well, this this one shot, this quote unquote oneer is kind of cool. Oh, there's a cut. There's another cut. There's another cut. And it's like uh, it became the find the cut game for me because I wasn't right. engaged with it enough. Yeah. You know, whereas there's there's other mo- I mean, 1917, for example, that whole movie is supposed to look like a one cut. And right. I was engaged the entire time to the point where I wasn't looking for where they were. Right. You know, um, this this had one of those for 11 and a half minutes. And the whole time, I'm just thinking, where's the cut? And I think that is where the kind of the miss is. Not to mention, it's just like the story. The story was just so flat to me. It didn't make yeah. a whole lot of sense. There wasn't really enough reasoning for uh, Chris Hemsworth's character to be... Exactly. kind of heroic you know uh, mm-hmm. i mean uh, minor spoilers for this if you haven't seen it and then we'll get into full spoilers in a second but basically he loses his son and so he's he's trying to protect this um this kid that he's trying to extra uh, extract from uh from wherever they're they're at i think there's someplace in bangladesh but um and so there's supposed to be this like connection between the two of them, which I, I didn't, I never really bought. I just, I never, yeah. I never really believed it. And it's not necessarily at any fault of the, the kid or Chris Hemsworth. It's just, I don't know. It just didn't feel like there was enough of that kind of setup in the beginning to show that Chris was this kind of a human being. Right. Uh, Cause like the first time you see him, Oh yeah. Let's talk about that real quick. <laughs> the first scene is a flash forward of two days before we actually start the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And he's like clearly all shot up and everything. And he's on this bridge and I'm like, he's Oh, about they're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, they're going to do a flashback and we're going to find out what, you know, how he got here. And mm-hmm. then they do it. And I'm like, this, that was totally unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And you, you kind of just spoiled the whole thing because I either, I know, one of two things is going to happen. He's going to end up on that bridge and die, or he's going to end up on that bridge and live. And it's like knowing that that bridge is, is the central part of that scene. I'm just waiting for it to happen the whole time. Right. And so I'm like, once that bridge shows up, I'm like, Oh, okay. So here's where Chris Hemsworth dies. It's, it, it totally takes all of the air out of the balloon for me. And like, I just don't, I don't care about that at all. Um, yeah, you know there was yeah, just unnecessary. There was there was no air in the balloon for me from the from the get go. Yeah, and I th- I think you know the the issue was and you hit the nail on the head for me was that the story was flat. There wasn't oh, yeah. there wasn't this um, there there wasn't enough character development right um, where I was now and it 
And it doesn't take a long time to do that. Like in, in 1917, the example that you gave earlier, the, in the first 10 minutes, you're in. You, right. you, are, bought, you are bought in. You, you're like, you feel uh, his concern for his brother, and he's going to do whatever he can to get there to save him. And, right. and, and that, and that, that polarization of, of bonding with that character around that central idea, you, you're, you're hundred percent bought in, in that, in that 10 minutes. Right. On, on this one, there's no buy-in. There's, there's no, that there's, I mean, you know, they have some dialogue, you get a little bit of these flashback p- bit pieces of backstory and, um, it, you know, it was like, it, yeah, it, like you said, it's just flat. There's a, there's a flat element to it. Yeah. There, and, and the, the thing that really stood out to me in this film was the level of gore, you know, um, the, you know, the, the guy breaks his nose and that's, you know, that's pretty gory. You know, he, um, Tyler Chris's character uh, kills you know a whole room full of kidnapper drug types you know yeah. pretty pretty brutally and he kills a guy with a rake and his name is yeah. Tyler Rake yeah it's a little yeah. on the nose um y- yeah and and it was like you know there's a couple of those John Wick ish you know cringy like oh that was over the top moments but the thing with john wick though is like that feels like it's a part of that world is this like over the top comic booky almost humorous tarantino-esque violence for sure for sure and you have a relationship with with that character the character development so it's not it's not completely solely relying on this over the top gruesome fight scenes you know that are eloquently choreographed you know and i right. you know and i think i think that's where we're born wins is that there were some there were some choreographed fight scenes that you'd never seen before there was st- there were ideas in those fight scenes that were so creatively done that they wowed you with that right and and you and and they and there was a plenty enough character development to where you felt the angst of Jason's trying to wrestle with his identity. And um, so, you know, and I think with those, you identify, there's that element, that single idea or that single emotion that you identify with that character. I couldn't tell you if, um, you know, Chris was, you know, what, what the, you know, and I know what they were trying to sell was, you know, the, the, the sorrow with, the loss of his son. Yeah. Now, the father son surrogate buddy. If anybody should have been able to resonate with that, it would be me. I've gone through that. Yeah. I know what that feels like. And for me to feel like that storyline was flat. Well, sorry, Chris, we do love you. <laughs> and, but we're, we're not in love with this movie. We're not apologizing. Um, yeah, is it better than is it better than uh, murder mystery? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's not but, saying much, though, is it? But, but it, it it's 
It's it it is Snowborn. It's no John Wick. Um, and and yeah, I you know it totally bums me out sometimes when when there's movies like this that have so much potential, that have budget, that have great actors in it, that it just falls flat. Yeah, and this I know movie. That happens. I mean it it has it has really decent like direction too. Like there is mm-hmm. a there is an idea there in a style to it, but the story just sucked. Yeah. And, and I think if you had a better writer or if you had, I mean, I'm, I have a, a feeling that this was kind of, I wonder if this was just set up as like, Hey, this is just going to be a stunt movie. Who cares what the story is mm. that, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that was the sell because if you look at, um, so the, the, the director is a stunt coordinator. Mm-hmm. He's a stuntman, and he's actually the bearded guy in the movie with the sniper. Right. Yeah. So he gets killed earlier. Yeah, I mean spoilers for whatever, during but the, um, the boat. Yeah. Yeah, during the initial extraction, but uh, he, I mean, he's worked on Endgame, Infinity War, Civil War, the first Avengers. I mean, he's been in a, a hundred things, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure it was just you know him and Hemsworth were just talking, and that's probably where this came from but it needed oh wow i guess joe russo wrote the screenplay so whatever um <laughs> i mean he didn't he didn't write in game and all that he just kind of yeah, yeah. so yeah. based and on the joe, graphic we're not mad novel at you for this either but we're we are being honest with how we feel about it so yeah you're getting yeah. you're getting you're getting truth not fluff even though you know we're fans of different people, and I think that's important for people to know. So for the listeners, hey, yes, we are fans of Marvel. Yes, we're fans of of these people, but we're we're going to give you our honest take on on these films, and we're not we're going to do so as objectively as we possibly can. Yeah, um, because we want to give you uh, you know a review that you can go oh, okay, cool that. Yep, I won't waste my time with that then. Right. Or, all right. Oh, let me just see. And and you know, people have different tastes or whatever. But, um, you know, I I I say that because I hate I hate throwing shade at anybody. And you know this is better than anyone. After we've been doing this podcast for a long time, Um, I just I'm I'm. I'm optimistic. I try to look at the bright side of things, but at the same time, sometimes it's not good. And, you know, we got to be honest. And I think in this case, in this case, it had all the, it had the recipe to be, to be really good, had all the right pieces to be really good. But this is a, this is a classic example of something that has all the right ingredients, but not the right story. And if the story there isn't there with that character development, man, it'll fall flat and not do well. Yep, for sure. And I think that's what I think that's what this is. This is what this feels like to me. Yeah, I think it's it's a shame too because all of the all the side actors and uh, for them, you know what? I take that back. Um, everyone that's not the like the initial core of people is pretty terrible. Um, like the Colonel is, it's, it really reminded me of like, 
um, bad guys in the 80s. <laughs> you know, like the commando, like just the kind of faceless, like they're they're not white, so they're evil type of, you know, villains from the 80s, mm-hmm. you know. And um, they really ham it up, it felt like to me. And maybe that's a little of that, like, Bollywood coming through uh, with the characters. But Yeah, perhaps. I just, I, I didn't care for anyone. Uh, I thought the kid was great. Um, I think Chris Hemsworth does a really pretty good job. And then the um, the other extraction guy um, that Chris Hemsworth ends up fighting with, I thought he was actually really good too. But everybody else is totally forgettable and serves no real purpose to the story. Like we spend we spend 10 minutes with somebody that's like a mob boss guy and a bunch of kids and I was like, "What? What is happening right now? What? Why is the whole point of this?" <laughs> and the payoff is just so that the kid. Let's just get into the spoilers, I guess. You want to throw up a spoiler warning? Sure. Spoilers ahead. Whoop. That's it. Great. <laughs> so, the whole point of us going hanging out with the mob leader and the kids is so that you have a reason to hate the kid that mm-hmm. shoots Chris Hemsworth in the neck at the end of the movie, which. First of all, I want to talk about just the environment that these kids are growing up in. I'm not going to mm-hmm. I'm not going to root against a child getting a machine gun thrown into his hand due to his environment and the poor government shit, you know, that like everything that's there, it's right. not that kid's fault. I'm never going to see that kid as the bad guy and for them to right kind of re that was that was the route that i feel like they maybe should have went in the story was more of this like um children of war type Mm. of a thing Mm -hmm. because there's an angle there that i think would have been more interesting and more dramatic um because you have this group of kids that like he i mean chris hemsworth fights and it's humorous in the sense that chris hemsworth slapping a bunch of children but it's also incredibly depressing because these right. kids are doing this because they think it's what's right for mm-hmm. that, you know, that dictatorship that's going on in that city. And they're forced to do this or else they have to lose digits or get thrown off a building. Right. Yeah. Like in, in the movie tries to make it kind of lighthearted. And I'm like, this is kind of depressing. I don't know what right, yeah. you're thinking here. And not to mention like Chris Hemsworth and the other extraction guy, like, just mow down city police and military like mm-hmm. like in that and then to me that's the super 80s-ness of like right. generic bad guys getting shot so you don't really care about it but like in this day and age i'm thinking of like those people aren't doing that because they want to like they're not helping that regime out or whatever like they're that's their job and if they don't their family gets killed Right. Like we live in a world where we know that backstory now in right. the real world. So I, at no point I was like, he just keeps killing people. And, and the, the opening fight in the, in the, the kidnapper like house. Okay. Sure. That one makes sense. Like they're all very clearly you know, quote unquote terrorists or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. But then throughout the rest of the movies, just killing police after police after police. And I'm like, that's somebody's dad, you know, like it, it had this weird, self-realization yeah. that I'm like he you're not a good person 
for doing this. Like you're, you're killing all of these people to get one child out. It's just that it hit me real weird and wrong. And there was not enough weight to any of that. And I'm rambling now, but you know, I, I I hope they don't do more of these. I, I, the ending is ambiguous and it's who, whoever at the <laughs> yeah, is standing right. yeah. there and out of focus. He was a drug but, dealer's son, you know? And so, yeah. Yeah. The guys in yeah. prison and yeah, whatever. It's all about, yeah. I mean, again, story is really thin. Um, and you know, but you, you know, it's interesting that you bring up the, the direction from the stunt coordinator and, you know, he has been in numerous stuff because that's the same case for John Wick. Right is the, the and Deadpool the and it's the guy same guys from yeah. the Matrix series ends up being, you know, the director in the in the John Wick movies and um, um, but different, you know, because the story yeah. the story is rich, and yes, the fight scenes are over the top and make you cringe and laugh at the same time, which is that, you know, that delicate balance that Tarantino does so well. And so, um, just to say that, I don't know if just because stunt wise, you know, doesn't mean he can't direct. Maybe it's, you know, the, the story direction or, you know, maybe it was, too many people influencing the story in different directions and uh you know so yeah I don't know. yeah i think there's yeah. there's just something missing there and it didn't it just didn't work for me at all and completely forgettable um i mean the i have to hand it to i mean, we're, we're sitting here talking about it like we're just reviewing movies for movies but um, we haven't really talked much about the filmmaking aside from the story, but I mean, there's some, there's some incredible filmmaking in it, but, um, a lot of times I just I was left scratching my head kind of like what, you know, why did you film it like this as opposed to did, I mean, like, did it need to be filmed like this? Does it take anything away from the story by having traditional cuts in this moment? Did it need to be an 11 and a half minute uh, not a true wonder, but a, you know, a cut up wonder. No, I, I really don't think it did. And um, there's there are some incredible behind the scenes stuff. You can go on Chris Hemsworth Instagram, I think, and um, Sam uh, Hargrave, who's the uh, the director. He's got some stuff on his Instagram and Twitter. But um, so really, really incredible filmmaking uh, setups and builds and and stunt people. I mean, gotta hand it to the stunt people for doing this. Uh, it, it is it is amazing what uh, stunt stunt people are doing now, and uh, it's a little scary. I'm I'm really curious how much of this is uh, kind of getting out of hand for the sake mm. of the extremeness, you know, because you got to mm. one up the the next action movie, and how much of it is is being safe. So hopefully it's still being safe, but I mean, the two people I think two stunt people got paralyzed just last year alone and you know what's what's the cost of of having a crazy action i mean we we talked about this with uh because when i brought up disney plus um that imagineering documentary they were talking about the new animatronics that they're using Mm, right, and, right. and and how they have full fluid motion and with they the can Spider-Man. Be, yeah, the Spider-Man stuff with and you yep. can look that up on YouTube. Grant Imahara 
from uh, Mythbusters actually helped work on it. So he's he's got a few things online also. But uh, you know, I just I'm curious like how many of these stunt people, uh, stunt people, stunt performers. Sorry if I'm if I'm saying that wrong. Uh, um, it's definitely not stunt man. I know that much. Um, how many of these stunt people are are just killing themselves for this? Uh, literally and you know not not literally but uh yeah and is it worth it i don't i don't know this movie doesn't seem worth it to me uh if if i found out that somebody died on this i'd be like that's a friggin' bummer i mean not not that it's like you don't want anybody to die for any movie but it's at the same time there's a lot of unnecessary i guess just action in this to be action and it's just kind of yeah you know yeah yeah it's it's whatever i think it's boring it's totally part of the yeah, part of the part of the letdown was too. You know, we're in quarantine, and here we got something new to watch. And I was really, and I'm like, oh, and it's Chris Hemsworth, and I'm like, oh, and Joe Russo's part of it, and oh, okay, this this is this is looking promising. I mean, even right. the trailer looks. I'm like, okay, cool. And then for it to not deliver, I mean, it delivered lots of action. Um, you know, my yeah. I, I felt the guy's pain when he was trying to reset his broken nose. <laughs> I was oh, like, geez, oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> um, but again, you know, on that on that scale of am I going to remember this in 10 years? No. No, uh, no. I mean, I probably won't remember this in five years. Mm-hmm. And um, no, it's it's a bummer, you know, because I'm we'll, we'll be talking about John Wick for generations is a for filmmaking sure. and, and Jason Bourne and, you know. Uh, it just, this, it reminded me of, um, the transporter series that Jason Statham kind of started out doing mm, and mm-hmm. how it's just kind of over the top action scenes of a guy trying to save a, you know, a, a human being. It's the same storyline, but at least the, the transporter series kind of like it, you know, it poked fun at itself. It knew what it was. Right. Uh, it didn't try to take itself too seriously. It didn't try to be John Wick while also being Jason Bourne. And, and yeah, it's this. I feel like this movie just it needed to kind of it needed to pick a lane. And if it was going to go more towards the drama, it needed a story to back it up, and it didn't have it. Well, and that's the thing too. Like so, for for Bourne, for Wick, for. Even the Mission Impossible series, with yeah, Ethan yeah, that's Hunt, good too. With with Jack Ryan, you've got you, th- you've got these very well developed characters in that space. Um, in you know James Bond, same thing. Yep. You know, you've got you've got these these um, these types of characters that have been well developed, and we've we've developed you know, that emotional bond as an audience with that character. Yeah. And I think this, this is, this comes along in that space, which is a very difficult space to live in. Um, unless you have a great storyline with all the great components together, especially like when John Wick first hit the scene, he had to overcome that same thing. Right. And people were very speculative, like, oh, really, Keanu Reeves? And Keanu Reeves sold it. And the storyline was, 
Yeah, I mean, he and and you even see some of the training videos that that he's done mm-hmm. um, behind the scenes, and you're like, you, and you, you immediately earn his respect by the depth and energy and effort that he went into to play this character, and then the delivery of that, and yeah, the, the so okay, sure, there's that over the top, but. John Wick became a new character in that space that earned that respect and that relation, you know, that audience relationship to where now you have a John Wick series. Yeah. And it and peop and it and it does well and he's equally respected amongst all those other, you know, action characters. Yeah. That, I mean he's he's know, up there with Ripley from Aliens and, uh, you know, John McClane from Die Hard. And, yeah, exactly. you know, I mean, it, it's, it's such a memorable role. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of that is Keanu doing. I mean, the the John Wick movies, the, the storyline isn't super in-depth, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's the rest of it that, the rest of the ingredients that work. So Yeah. And um, I'm not saying yeah. that Chris Hemsworth didn't put the effort and the energy in. I right, mean, right. dude, that, that, that dude absolutely did. But, you know, the, the missing ingredient, you know, it... it, it Some special sauce it, wasn't there. Yeah. And that, and that, and, and I think that, that proves the point of how important the story is. Yeah, I agree. Well, I know it's dinner time. I know you got to get running. So what do you say we wrap this thing up? That sounds good, man. Eric, you want to close this out? Sure. Hey, guys, thank you so much for stopping by and listening to our podcast. Hopefully it was helpful. You enjoyed the discussion. And, uh, you know, feel free to, to post up a comment when when we post the link um, or send Zach any questions comments or concerns to the email or tweet at us or dm us whatever you feel is necessary but uh you can find zach on instagram and twitter at zach abbott you can find me on twitter instagram and youtube at eric thurston you can find us the easy podcast on your favorite streaming platform on instagram and twitter at the easy podcast on youtube at the easy podcast show And if you have any questions, comments, complaints, or concerns, you send all of those to Zach and he'll appropriately ignore them to the easy podcast show at gmail.com. I will not ignore them. I will read them (laughs) live on the air. Uh, Yeah. We've offered so many like offers. I'm surprised. So many offers. We've offered all the offers. So, I mean, free movie tickets, free Netflix free, for a free month, free downloads, Netflix month paid. I mean, all kinds of stuff. I don't know what people want, but some, it's someday not free things. Yeah, we'll see. S- some someday doesn't matter what country and, you're in. I got a VPN. I'll figure it out. Let's do it. Yeah, Come on. yeah, yeah. Uh, I know we got some some Finnish listeners. Let's go. Let's go. Get you some. Get Let's you some go. Finnish Netflix or. Uh, google store or whatever i don't care just i'll give you 20 bucks i'll yeah. mail you so what do we have 20 bucks uh i don't know i haven't 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 decided yet i gotta go in there and figure out what i got because i don't have time oh, to make okay anything. so it's a it's a mystery meal right now mystery meal might be uh leftover uh shredded chicken tacos we took advantage of the free chick-fil-a delivery tonight free delivery huh the food wasn't yeah free, they though, do, just they the do free delivery right now 
Oh, I mean, yeah. of course, you know, there's add the tip for the driver, et cetera. Right, but, right, right. Yeah, we do a lot of DoorDash. So yeah. probably at least yeah. four four meals a week. I think Chipotle's doing free delivery right now. And by the way, Chipotle and Chick-fil-A are not sponsoring this podcast. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's all be cut out anyways. <laughs> send us an email if you'd like to. <laughs> um yeah i don't recommend extraction but uh thanks guys for listening and we'll catch you next time okay hopefully next week we'll have something better to report nope nothing's coming out movies are dead oh it's so sad sad thanks for listening guys we'll catch you next time and find us on instagram or twitter and get some free movies or free netflix come on come on all right bye 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 all right Bye.